So please do open at Psalm 16 and let's pray and ask the Lord to speak to us this morning through it. Let's pray for a moment. Lord, we thank you for the wonderful gift of the Psalms, these wonderful songs that teach us truth about you, but also help us to worship you and turn to you. We pray this morning that as we look at Psalm 16, that we would hear your voice, that through it you would teach us, but more than that, that through through it you would draw us again to yourself. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I wonder when the last time that you wanted to live a God-free life was. That's a challenging question, isn't it? I wonder when the last time was that you felt like packing in all of this Christianity stuff. That you felt like just turning away from God, like getting away from him. I wonder when the last time you experienced that type of temptation was. Maybe it was decades ago. Maybe for you it's been a long time since you've had that type of thought or that type of desire or that type of temptation. Or maybe for you it was just a week ago or a day ago. Maybe even this morning as you sit here, you you know that temptation. You're struggling. You would rather not have God in your life right now. Maybe as you sit here this morning, you long to be free of God and pack in all of this Christianity stuff. Now, I I know it sounds terrible for me to be saying that, but it's true, isn't it? Sometimes, this is the temptation we face as God's people. And I just want you to know that that is a, a normal temptation. That is a normal thing to experience. You're not strange or alone in that. If you feel like this sometimes, if you feel like packing all the God stuff in, You see, sometimes we're attracted to thinking of what life might be without God. For you, maybe it's the thought of not having to be the odd one out. Maybe in your workplace or maybe in your school or maybe on your sports team, you're the only one who believes in God. You're the only one who tries to live God's way. And you're just sick and tired of always feeling like the odd one out. Or maybe for you, there's there's things that you want in life. There's desires within you that you have that you know God doesn't have for you. And you think to yourself, if I could just break free from God, if I could just get away from him, I could have all of these things that I want without any of the restrictions that God has placed upon me. Maybe for you, you're tempted to turn away because you see the suffering in someone's life that you love. And you look at them and you see what they're going through and you think, you know what? I'm fed up with God. I I don't understand God. Almost to try to punish God, you think, I just want to get away from him and turn from him. This morning, it's not uncommon at times, and I just want to reinforce that, to at times feel like you want to live a God-free life. This temptation is nothing new. In fact, if you read through the Bible, you'll see the temptation being faced from God's people throughout the whole of Scripture. Throughout the whole of the Bible, God's people are always tempted to turn away from him to follow idols. Now, we're not so much tempted to follow idols, but we still have that first part of the temptation at times. There are times we want to live a God-free life. There were times that we buy into the illusion that life would just be so much better if we didn't have God in it. This temptation is nothing new. 
But here's the question. What do you do when this temptation comes? What do we do whenever we face this kind of temptation? Well, I think the answer is that we turn to Psalm 16. Next time that you're struggling, next time that you're tempted to live a God-free life, I want to encourage you to turn to Psalm 16 because Psalm 16 is the place where we get wisdom and discernment and guidance whenever we're having this temptation to turn away from God. Psalm 16 is the song to turn to when we don't desire God. If you have a look just above verse 1 there, you'll see that it was written by King David. And if you read about David's life, what you'll see is that David went through a lot of problems. He had a lot of difficulties. There were times he was on the run. There were times his life was under threat. There were times he had to hide in caves for his life. There were times when David was going through really difficult times. And when he went through those difficulties, the people around him and his enemies taunted him. Where's your God now, David? What are you doing worshipping him? What are you doing living his way? Forget about him, David. Constantly put under pressure to turn away from God. But Psalm 16, it's like David's defiant cry. Psalm 16 is like David's defiant song which simply sings, I will not turn away. No matter what you say, God is my God, and I shall not be turning away from him. And I want to suggest that this is the place that you can run to when you're tempted to turn away from God so that you can defiantly cry, I'm not going anywhere. This psalm, it's, it's full of lovely poetic language, but what it does is really two things. It teaches us what to do when we're tempted to run from God. And it teaches us to do two things. The first thing it teaches us to do is to consider the blessing of life with God. So that's the first thing it does. When you're tempted to turn from God, this psalm says, stop and just consider the blessing you have of life with God. And the second thing it says is to consider the curse of life without God. And this morning, there are the two things we're going to focus on from this psalm. Considering the blessing of life with God and the curse of life without God. And just in case you're panicking, we're going to spend 95% of the time on the first one and just 5% of the time on the second one. And that's because that's the way the psalm is said. So don't panic. If you hear me going on about the blessing of life with God and you're thinking, oh, has he got this much to say about the curse of life without him? I don't. It's going to be short, the second part of this. But let's consider the blessing of life with God. Um, I saw a really funny video this week. And it was the video from a mother. And the teenager, the teenage daughter of this mother had said to the mom, Mom, you never buy me anything. And so the mother decided that she was going to try to show her daughter that this wasn't true. So she got a packet. You know those bows that you stick on presents? The wee mini bows and they can stick on things? And the mother just went round the house and she stuck the bow on lots of different things that she bought for her daughter. The Wi-Fi router. There you go, daughter. The food in the fridge. The bed the daughter sleeps in. The clothes in the daughter's wardrobe. The wardrobe itself. The house. The car. Everything. She just went round and she plastered the house in all of these bows. And it was to make the point, wasn't it? The daughter said, Mom, you never buy me anything. And the mother could turn around and say, Well, look at all this. Who got you this? I pay for it all. The mom was making the point. And I think sometimes when it comes to God, 
we are very much tempted to be like the daughter. We don't recognize God's blessings in our life. We don't recognize his goodness to us. We don't recognize all of the wonderful gifts that he gives us as his people. And whenever we're tempted to turn away from God, what this psalm encourages us to do is just to stop and to just stop and to pause and to think about all the blessings, all the good things that God our Father has given to us. Under pressure to turn from God, what does David do? He recalls something incredible. He recalls that everything he has is from God. Have a look at verse 2. I said to the Lord, you are my Lord. And then look at this. Apart from you, I have no good thing. David is put under pressure to turn from God and instead he looks at the Lord and he just recognizes, Lord, you know what? Apart from you, I have no good thing. Without you, I would have none of the good things I have in my life. Without you, Lord, all of the blessings that I enjoy, I wouldn't have. I wouldn't enjoy these because they're all gifts from you. A different translation of the Bible says this, Lord, you're my Lord. Every good thing I have comes from you. Sometimes I think we're tempted to turn from God because we have this idea that God is kind of stingy or mean or someone who doesn't want the best for us. But the reality is that when we look at the Bible, we see that God is like a generous father who loves us and blesses us and wants the best for us. The next time you're tempted to turn from God, that's what I want you to remember, that that because of God, that's the only reason why you have the good things you have in your life. I want you to imagine that you got out an A4 piece of paper, okay? So about this size, okay? A4 size paper. And you got a pencil and you sat down and you started to write down all of the good things that you have in your life. Could you fill the page? Could you fill the page? It's not a rhetorical question. Could you fill the page? Yeah? Yeah. I reckon if we turned it over, we could fill the page again. In fact, I reckon if we took a a big thick wad of A4 pages, we could fill the whole lot, couldn't we? Yes, there's things in our life that are difficult. There's things we wish weren't there. But if we were to write down all of the good things that we have and all of the good things that we enjoy, we could fill a book full of A4 pages. Next time that you're tempted to turn from God, why not do that? Not fill a book, but why don't you write down just a list of the good things that are in your life and then repeat David's words. Lord, apart from you, I'd have none of these. Oh Lord, you know that I'm considering turning away from you, but Lord, without you, I'd have none of these amazing things. You're so good to me, Lord. Next time you're tempted to turn away from him, turn to him in thanks and praise and acknowledgement of just what a good heavenly father he is. It'll turn us to worship rather than rejection. Okay, the next thing, the next blessing then that I want us to remember, the next time we want to turn from God, the next time we think, if I could just be free of you, I'd be happy. The next time we have that temptation, the the next blessing that I want you to remember is the blessing of his presence. Um, This week in the car, 
Um, Micah asked me how we can know God is real when we don't see him. Great question from a four-year-old. Dad, we can't see God. So how do we know he's real? Good question, son. Great question. Uh, he's four years old, so I thought, how do I answer this? So uh, we were driving. It was near Orangefield Park. Um, we were picking Josh up from football camp. And I said, Micah, look, look at the trees up there. I said, are they moving? He says, yes, Daddy, the trees are moving. I said, Micah, what's making the trees move? He says, the wind, Daddy, the wind's blowing, the wind's making the trees move. I said, Micah, can you see the wind? He said, no, Daddy, I can't see the wind. I said, Micah, you can't see the wind, but you know that it exists because of what it's doing to the trees. And I said, Micah, we can't see God, but we know he exists because we can see his work in the world and in our lives. We can't see God, but we can see his power and his presence at work. David says, whenever he's put under pressure to turn from God, that he's not going to because he knows the presence of God at work in his life. He knows God present in his life, helping him in his life. Have a look at verse 7. David says, under pressure to turn from God, he says, instead, I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Do you see the words of God's presence? I'm not going to turn from God because God counsels me. Even in the middle of the night, he instructs my heart. God is at my right hand. Because he's with me, I will not be shaken. Do you see the two pictures David draws of God's presence? He says, first of all, that God is like a counselor. I will praise the Lord who counsels me. The Lord is like a, a counselor in David's life, this unseen counselor. This one who listens to him. This one who listens to him and his fears and his distress and his worries and his concerns. David says, the Lord is a counselor to me. When I have all of these problems, I, I bring them to the Lord and he listens to me when I do this. And then what else does a counselor do? A counselor gives instruction, doesn't he? A counselor gives advice. A counselor guides. David says, I, I know the Lord guiding me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. Even at night when all the professional counselors are tucked up in bed, God is there with me, present, listening, guiding, leading. David says, how can I turn away from the God who's always with me? How can I turn away from the God who listens to me when nobody else will? How can I turn away from the God who who counsels me, who comforts me, who directs me, who leads me, who's just so good to me. How can I turn from this God? And then the second picture in verse 8, it's the picture of a bodyguard. It's the picture of a protector. He says there, I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Now this is a, a picture from the battlefield. Whenever people went into battle, the king had a right-hand man. You've all heard that phrase before, haven't you? On the battlefield, the king had a right-hand man. This was a man who stood at the king's right hand. And his job 
was to defend and protect the king. If you wanted to get to the king, you were going to have to go through the right-hand man. The right-hand man was the bodyguard. The right-hand man was the protector. The right-hand man was the one who delivered the king from danger. The right-hand man was the one who kept the king safe. And David says, because the Lord is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. How can I turn from God, David says, when I have God at my right hand? When I have him there protecting me, delivering me, keeping me safe. David saw this in his life so many times. As I said, he was hunted down. He he was uh, stalked. People wanted to kill him. And time and time again, he saw God deliver him and keep him safe. My guess is that many of you have seen the Lord do that in your life too. Have you seen him save you from illness that should have taken you? Have you seen him rescue you from making bad decisions that would have just been disastrous for you? Have you ever been in situations where you've just sensed his presence keeping you safe? David says, how can I turn from God who's present to protect me, who's present to keep me safe? When we're tempted to turn away from God, that's the second blessing we need to remember. He's with us, counseling us, protecting us, guiding us, keeping us safe. And then the third thing that we need to remember, the third blessing, is that we're going to share in the victory of God's Son. Now, I'm not an overly cynical person, but whenever I see a 23-year-old supermodel marrying an 86 billionaire, I get a little bit cynical. Do you ever get cynical when you see that, or is it just me? We all do, don't we? Because we all know, and it's awful to say, she's only in it for the money. Isn't she? That's terrible. Maybe I shouldn't say that. Maybe I'm being too judgmental, but I think it's true. Ah, you know, a 23-year-old supermodel marries an 86-year-old millionaire. I think it's safe to say she's only in it in the money for the money. And no matter how terrible that relationship is, no matter how loveless it is, no matter how boring it is, no matter how terrible it is, that 23-year-old supermodel is not going to turn away from her 86-year-old husband, is she? She's not going to leave him. She's not going to turn away from him. She's not going to divorce him. Why? Because she's waiting for a big inheritance. So cynical, but so true. <laughs> now, our relationship with the Lord, it's not like that. You know, we have a God who loves us. We have a God who cares for us. We have a God who is with us. We have a great relationship with God. But the amazing thing with God is that he does have a wonderful inheritance for us. He's got a fantastic inheritance for us. He's got a home in heaven for us. He's got joy for us at his right hand. He's got heaven for us. Eternal life with him. Sometimes when we we think of eternal life, we we can't even get our heads around it. But what the Bible makes clear is it's going to be better than anything we could ever imagine. We have this wonderful inheritance waiting for us. And David, whenever he's put under pressure to turn away from God, do you know what he does? The third thing he remembers is the blessing that's ahead for him. The blessing that God has for him stored up. The blessing that he doesn't want to turn away from. Look at verse 9. He says, Therefore my heart is glad 
and my tongue rejoices. My body will also rest secure because you will not abandon me to the grave, nor will you let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Oh God, I'm not going to turn away from you because I know that you're not going to leave me in the grave. I'm not going to turn away from you because I know that you've led me to the path of eternal life. I know that you're going to fill me with joy in your presence forever and more. I know that I'm going to have eternal pleasures at your right hand. David is not like the 23-year-old supermodel. He's not just keeping going with God to get this. But he is similar in that he has a wonderful inheritance coming. I don't know how, but David somehow saw what Jesus was going to accomplish for those of us who trust him. Those of us who who trust in Jesus, those of us who turn to him rather than away from him, we receive these wonderful blessings. How can we turn from a God who has got so much yet in store for each of us? As I finish, let me just finish by briefly considering the, the flip side of all this. And that's the cursing of life without God. There was a psychology student, and part of his training was he, he went to an asylum. And uh, the, the man who was guiding him around the asylum, he took him to the first cell. And, and there in the first cell, he saw a man beating his head against the padded wall and saying over and over, Linda, how could you do it? Linda, how could you do it? Linda, how could you do it? Psychology student said, who's Linda? The man said, Listen, this man, he was jilted at the altar by Linda and he couldn't handle it and it sent him on a downward spiral and he ended up in here. Linda, how could you do it? The man then took the psychology student to the next room and in it, there was a man there. He was also beating his head against the padded, uh, the padded wall and he was saying, Linda, why did I do it? Linda, why did I do it? Linda, why did I do it? Who's that? He said, that's the man who married Linda. (laughs) Uh, It's funny, isn't it? The grass always seems greener on the other side, doesn't it? The grass can always seem greener on the other side. And whenever it comes to thinking of life without God, If that's a temptation you face, my guess is because you imagine life to be much greener on the other side. You imagine that without God, it's just going to be flowers and roses and and the grass is just always going to be green. But David says, don't buy into that thinking. David says the grass without God is not green, it's brown. Have a look at verse four. He says, the sorrows of those will increase who run after other gods. He says, whenever you leave your God, the one true living God, the God who blesses you, the God who's present with you, the God who has your future secure, David says, whenever you leave that God, your sorrows increase. The grass doesn't become greener. You get to the new grass and you find out that it's brown. 
my guess is that some of us know people like this who thought the grass would be greener and they found it to be brown. You know, even Christians, and, and they, they seem to be happy away from God. Whenever you get under the surface, you realize they're not. You realize they're struggling. You realize they have all the same problems, but they don't have God in their life to help them through them. If you friends and, and you see them living life without God and the grass looks greener, do you know what that grass is? It's astroturf. If you see people and they've left God or you see people living life without God and their life looks wonderful and you think, I'd like a bit of that, that grass looks pretty green. It's astroturf. It's astroturf. It, it looks green on the outside, but underneath it's fake. We are made to know God. We're made to have life with him. We're made to enjoy him. We're made to know him as our father. We're made to know life with him now and forever. Friends, if you're here and, and you're tempted to think that life without God is greener on the other side, please know it's not. Don't be like the prodigal. Don't be like the prodigal son who had to be eating pig's eye food, pig's food to find that out. Trust God's word. I know some people right now and they're in the pig's eye. They're in the pig's eye and, and they're discovering this firsthand. I want to encourage you not to be those people, but to trust in God's word. And this morning, if, you've, if you have walked away from God, this morning, if you're far from him, this morning, if you've abandoned him, if you've left him, draw near to him. Come back to him. Come home to him. And this morning, if all of this talk of God as being your eternal father and, and being a good God and having a relationship, if that's all news to you, if that's all that seems alien to you, you're invited this morning to come. To come and trust Christ for the first time. To come and know God as your father. And I'm a bit worried about doing this, but I'm going to give it a go anyway. Um, I want to conclude by showing you a, a video. Um, and it's a video that is uh, by a Christian artist, and it's based on the prodigal son. And a friend of mine called Kevin, he put this video together with some friends. He now lives in Canada. And this morning, I just want you to watch this video as we close. And, and, and I just want you to remember through this video that God is a God who is a heavenly father who loves you. And whenever you turn from him, he gladly welcomes you back home. Let's watch this before we, we pray and sing. See it in your eyes that you're gonna run. You're gonna run. And I can hear it in the way that you speak to me that you're gonna leave. So as you slip away. I will say As you pack your things 
Let's pray. Lord, we are sorry that at times we forget that you are our Father in heaven who loves us. Lord, you know that at times we feel tempted to turn from you and run from you. And yet you're so good to us. Lord, I pray for each of us that when we have those moments when we feel far from you, may we be reassured that we can run home to you and that your arms to us are open wide. Father, thank you for your unending love. Thank you that even when we turn from you, you never turn from us, but care about us deeply. Lord, help us to enjoy you as our Father. Help us to worship you as our Lord. Help us to enjoy you day by day. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.